I'm Kim Grinnells of Dogman.com, and I am in Levi Stadium. Chris Fetters back home. Washington defeated Utah in the Pac-12 championship game in a low-scoring affair, 10-3, to in front of an announced crowd of 35,134. Grass field, the entire top level of the stadium was tarped off. Uh, a little colder than I think a lot of people anticipated. The ears were getting cold, but, uh, you know, hey, after Pullman last week, we will take it. I don't think anybody anticipated this low of a scoring game. I know that it was two uh, tough defenses, Chris, but I don't think anybody could have predicted this. Right. And, and again, you know, you would know, but it, it certainly looked like there was maybe some footing issues initially. Look, I, I, you guys weren't necessarily on skates or anything, but it certainly seemed like it might impact things. But again, yeah, you're right. When you... This is the first time, the first Pac-12 title game, where the number one and number two defenses in the league have squared off. It's never happened before. So um, not saying that that really kind of predicted a low-scoring game, but you certainly felt like it It had the makings of something that could maybe end up looking kind of ugly for sure. They look bound to determine to take Miles Gaskin away and force Jake to throw it, but uh... – Miles Gaskin wound up with uh, 23 carries for 71 yards, and those were 71 hard-earned yards. He really had to uh, carry some guys and was taking a lot. He was taking a pounding out there today, Chris. Oh, for sure. No, and 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 fully expected that. I mean, he carried the ball what like tw- like 30 times in in uh, in September. So I mean, it was um, it was one of those things where. Um, they, you knew he was going to get the ball a lot, but to be honest with you, Kim, I was as, as much as, as Savon got the ball, and I know that that he's a big part of their plans too. I thought that uh, Sean McGrew might get some extra carries tonight, and especially in that drive in the fourth quarter when they went uh, basically ten minutes without scoring, uh, I really thought they would maybe mix in some McGrew runs at that point, um, maybe just to get a little bit more up the field. But uh, yeah, uh, overall, you knew Miles was going to be the bell cow, and and he certainly got the key yards when they needed it. Game was eerily similar to the Cal game, you know, where uh, they really shut Jake down. And, uh, you know, Jake had a lot of receivers one-on-one, but when Ty Jones missed that catch on the opening uh, play, opening drive, and um, bounced off his hands and went for an interception, boy, that, that kind of set the tone for the game. It really did. And, you know, you know, Jake, we, we've talked about it all year. Jake's one of those quarterbacks. He he is going to need his guys to step up around him and help him make plays. He is not the guy that's going to just all of a sudden put it on his shoulder and just will the team to win. You know, that being said, it's kind of funny because obviously he was getting slated pretty hard in that second half. But if you look at the second half stats, they were very Gardner Minshew-esque. I mean, he was fit, he was 13 of 15 in the second half, Kim, but that was for like 93 yards. Yeah. So he he was really just trying to take what Utah was willing to give him, and that was a big reason why they were able to keep the ball for almost ten minutes on that drive in the fourth quarter. I mean, they they just did a really nice job of just kind of keeping it away from Utah and 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 leaning on their defense and and playing special teams that was just good enough to win. I mean, it's too bad that uh, Peyton Henry didn't have a better night. I mean, they could have put it away with that that field goal at the end. Um, to make it a two-score game, it, it, that's the right call, in my opinion, all day long. But, um, you know, they did the right things to still hang on win. And like you said, it was very much like California. But I think in this case, they kind of got out of their own way, let Jake kind of do his thing. And I think that was the difference. Byron Murphy, of course, player of the game with two interceptions, one return for a touchdown. I was asking everybody on the sidelines if they saw anything that he did. 
you know, to get the personal foul penalty. I still don't know what he did. Somebody said he spun the ball, but I certainly didn't see it. I asked yeah, everybody I back and look. I don't, I don't remember what it was, but it was whatever it was. See, and this is my take on that, Kim, real quick. If the if the if the refs are going to swallow their whistles like they did pretty much most of the game, they yeah, did, there was yeah. a PI foul here and there, or there was a holding call here and there, but they really swallowed their their whistles for the most part. They really kind of allowed the players to 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 basically determine the outcome. And if you're going to do that, just just let it go. I mean, it, it wasn't it wasn't anything that I thought was super egregious or piled on or anything like that. And so, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah, um, but <laughs> I think Byron's going pro after this game. <laughs> you know, I don't think there's oh, any doubt, doubt about that. Without a doubt, without that was a that was a dress rehearsal for him. And uh, again, like you said, two picks. You got the 66 yard pick six, which you know very fluky play. But again, you know, we were on the message boards and we were saying, you know, right here, sudden change play would be absolutely huge, and you couldn't have gotten a bigger one. And again really rough where it goes off the the Utah players basically his leg Mason just bounced Murphy. right up and 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 Murphy grabs it and is able to get out of the tangle and then once he got out of the tangle he, there was no way he was not going to score Mason Foster yeah Mason Taylor, <laughs> Taylor well Taylor Rapp Taylor yeah. Rapp in this game two years ago had a pick six and that that got him the uh, MVP award so but very very deserving for Byron Murphy I mean he was all over the place uh the two picks and again yeah, was it PI on that last play? Probably. Yes, yeah. But if but if but if you but if you look at the the fourth and six on Washington's very very first drive in the first quarter, you could make an argument that that fourth and six play on that slant that was a PI as well. So e- these things even out without a doubt, and that di- that play did not cost Utah the game. Um, You're the one who so, What's that? Um, I just had a guy bring me a final book. <laughs> Oh, fantastic. Well, that's service with a smile. Yes. But um, we um, uh, I was talking to Jake Browning after the game and Jimmy Lake also brought it up without being prompted. Uh, I asked Jake if he ever thought, you know, watched Byron Murphy and thought, you know, he played wide receiver. And Jake goes, yeah, you know, I look at him and I'd I'd love to have him over on the offensive side of the ball. But uh, Jimmy Lake said that Byron Murphy, if he was going to play uh, offense, he'd be an all league receiver, too, and probably be a first round draft pick as a wide receiver as well. Oh, no question. Everyone saw that when when they looked at his senior film from high school when he was at Saguaro in, in, in Arizona. I mean, when he decided not to go to Arizona State and follow Nikhil Harry, that was considered a huge coup for Jimmy Lake and probably one of the real first signs that really kind of started to separate him as an elite recruiter, Kim, you know, a guy that did, could go out of the area and get a guy like a Byron Murphy who – was an was an elite prospect, but also a guy that just you know online and stuff just didn't you just never really got a sense that he was pro UW or pro anyone else, and it felt like he was just going to go ahead and stay home. But to be able to pull him uh, out of Arizona and for him to do what he's been able to do in really not that many games. I mean, if you look at the amount of games he has, because he redshirted, remember, right. so he's really played less than two years, two full years. But as far as I'm concerned, what we saw tonight, that's a guy who's pro ready. There is there should be no there should be no debate about that. Yeah. And when you take a look at just overall the defense, I'm not sure whether to give the defense a lot of credit. But uh, Utah really struggled there. I mean, that's not a Pac-12 caliber quarterback at this point in time. He's a red shirt freshman, really struggles throwing the ball. That's their backup running back. But uh 
you know, hey, you know, the defense still stopped them and only allowed them 188 total yards, 52 plays for 188 yards. Defense did their job today. Now, I don't remember, but I know they played Oregon and obviously they played BYU and they played someone else. They scored over 30 points in those games. So he was running. He They were running offense with him and Shine and whatnot. Now, I thought the big blow was was. Uh, um, when Britton Cubby got hurt on that, uh, I don't remember if it was the opening kickoff of the third quarter. Yeah, but um, yeah. Dominique, I think Dominique Hampton had had, had a, a big blow on him, and and then obviously he came back out with the crutches. So uh, I think post game Kyle Whittingham was saying it looked like a kind of a serious knee injury. So really hope that guy's okay. That guy's a warrior, and um, he really helps make that offense tick and special teams. He's huge as well. So to lose a guy like Britton Cubby for them when they had already lost. Uh, Huntley and they lost Zach Moss you know Moss is a difference maker at running back too they really were super super hamstrung and um, not that that made Washington's job any easier but when you are playing with those kind of skill guys out of the game it it just it's such uphill sledding for a team like Utah that it was just it was never going to be easy and Washington was certainly not going to make it easy for them yeah, when you take a look at the leading tackler, Ben Burkirvin, again, with eight and a half tackles. The next guy uh, was JoJo McIntosh with four tackles. But, uh, you know, those guys were like you know, sharks in blood-infested waters out there, especially in the secondary. So, uh, you know, great job by the defense. So, um, you know, huge, huge win. Takes them to the Rose Bowl. And uh, I, I don't know how much of the postgame they showed on TV, but uh, it was pretty crazy down on the field afterwards. Oh, yeah. No, it looked great. And um, obviously they were just as excited and, and were enjoying it just as much as they did two years ago. Think about this, though, for a second, Kim. They were 10 years ago. Washington was 0-12. Now yeah. they're going to their third New Year's Six Bowl game in three years. How amazing is that? And they've got a chance to get to, um, I think, 40. Is it 40 wins for this class? Yeah. Uh, that would be the best all time for any Washington class. Um, you know, Jake Browning gets to 40 wins. That would put him in, in really rarefied air in terms of all-time quarterbacks in college football. Um, there's just so much still riding on the line with one game left. But, yeah, to be able to kind of overcome the obstacles and, and give all the credit to Utah's defense, those guys are t- are super tough, tenacious. Uh, they, they got after it tonight, too. And, again, I don't think anybody should be surprised when you've got the number one and number two defenses in the Pac-12 going after it. This is the kind of result that uh, that you could have seen. And uh, I think Washington, they, they did what they had to do. That possession was huge in terms of just keeping the ball away from Utah. And then when Utah had the ball, they just gave them no room. They just suffocated them. And that was that was really all she wrote. Jimmy Lake asked after the game if he'd been contacted by Colorado, and he said he's very happy at the University of Washington. He was asked again if that meant that uh, he was coming back to the University of Washington for sure next year, and he repeated that he's very happy at the University of Washington. With, yeah. uh, also, uh, I also asked him if he'd heard Mike Leach's comments, and he didn't bite. He just had a big smile on his face. <laughs> yeah, no, I, 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 yeah, I think that uh, – when it comes to that, I think Jimmy's just going to keep doing what he does and and what have you. And and I don't know. They're talking about Jim Levitt a lot now for that Colorado job. They're still talking about Ryan Day, the offensive coordinator for Ohio State. They're talking about the defensive coordinator for Georgia. Um, so they're looking at you know possible you know coordinators are looking big right now. They may not want to go for a retread like a like the like the guy that's at Vanderbilt right now who was who was talked about early on, Derek Mason. 
Um, but again, Jimmy Lake, every year Washington fans need to come to grips with the idea that that guy's a wanted man. He is, he is super, super coveted by a lot of teams. And, um, you know, that's just, that's going to be the the theme of, of his career as he continues at Washington. There's going to be a lot of snooping around Washington's doorstep. And, um, and that's a good thing. That's Washington fans need to look at that as a good thing, because as long as you have upward mobility within the Washington coaching staff and those guys become head coaches, whether it's a Justin Wilcox, whether it's a Jonathan Smith, whoever you want to talk about, that's good for Washington because it's going to attract a lot of talent as well. And, and, and Chris Peterson can coach those guys up and then they can coach the players up. And that's how it works. Also, I don't know if you got a chance to listen to Larry Scott's press conference beforehand. I think he was there for 25 minutes, of which 15 we heard the praises of Larry and how awesome everything is. But uh, he took some questions, and his press handling guy was trying to get him out of there real quick. He said two more questions, so I asked Larry two more questions, and he looked right over his handler. Goes, that only counts as one, but I'm going to answer both. So he wanted to answer more questions and a couple interesting comments. I asked him if there was, uh, you know, if, um, you know, Woody uh, Dixon, you know, the replay guy who meddled in the replay events, who's the head of football, has no business being in the replay booth. I asked him if Woody Dixon was involved in any way, shape or form uh, in instant replay. And he said no. And I said, so he has nothing to do and he's not involved whatsoever in replay um, you know, uh, during the game. And he said, absolutely not. I talked to John Canzano who wrote the articles and he goes, the scary thing is Woody's there. He doesn't think Larry Scott's aware that Woody is there, which probably sounds about right. Um, I asked Larry wanted, he called the, a lot of the stuff mischaracterations. He wanted to make sure to drive home the point of the expenses that they were quoting $3.1 million travel expenses where the SEC only had uh, $700,000. He wanted to make sure, well, we're a network and we're producing all the stuff. So that includes all the other stuff. And we've got a lot more employees and blah, blah, blah. But, uh, you know, it was uh, interesting listening to Larry, um, you know, try to explain these things. I asked uh, John if he was done with this stuff. And he looks at me and goes, no. <laughs> so. There's too much low hanging fruit there, Kim. But oh, I, yeah, I will yeah. say this, his uh, explanation about being the network and having that much overhead and things like that, that that's not necessarily a bad argument. No, you just don't. But but until the books are opened up, until you really get a great feel for what exactly that entails and how much of that is is based on what the network requires and then how much their their requirements are then then we'll we'll have a much better idea. So in theory, I get what he's saying. I'm not saying he's wrong about it. It's a good point, but I just still I still don't think the numbers add up anywhere close to to what those guys could use as opposed to what they do use because they're in the position to use it. If you know what I mean. Well, Larry's going to be under some fire and I don't think this thing's come to an end yet. So, uh Oh, no. Lots to lots to still, uh, you know, uh, digest with that. Hey, just, you know, real quick, I want to go down the stat sheet, Chris. Miles um, sure. Gaskin, 23 carries for 71 net yards. Uh, Savan Ahmed with eight carries for 28 yards. 
Uh, John McGrew, one carry for six yards. Jake Browning was 21 of 33 for 187. Uh, that's really low uh, per completion on that. Uh, nothing much downfield today. Andre Bacellia, eight carries for 65 yards. Uh, Utah's leading rusher, um, Armand Shine, 11 carries for only 37 yards, which was a good day. Uh, Jason Shelley, 17 carries, excuse me, 17 of 27. For 137, but he also had three interceptions. Um, Washington had 73 total plays for 306 neck yards. So that's the largest amount of plays they've had in a long time, Chris. And uh, Utah, 52 plays for only 188 yards. And when we talk about penalties, uh, two penalties for 10 yards for Utah, four penalties for 45 yards for Washington, only six penalties in a game. So uh, refs ate their whistle quite a bit. So um, third down conversions, Washington, 8 of 18, Utah, 4 of 12. Red zone chances, Washington was only in the red zone once today. Once. It yep, seemed like they were – They were in They were in Utah's side of the field like four or five times. So Quite a bit, yeah. So um, great win. Looking forward to the Rose Bowl. So uh, anything else we need to cover, Chris? No, I just think that it's it's funny because, I, you know, people are going to look at the score line and go, oh, it was awful and all those things. I don't think people remember just how difficult in the past it is to get to the Rose Bowl. This is not supposed to be an easy thing. And sometimes it takes those 10 to 3 games or 10 to 7 games or, you know, this is this is this was old school football. Chris Peterson said it post game. It, it had an old school score line and it felt like old school football with defense and turnovers. And, and and just doing enough on offense to, to kind of keep the other team on the sideline and and then not and not giving up, you know, anything super awful on special teams. Yeah, the block, you don't want to see that, but you know, other you know, but it didn't cost them in the end. And and that's the thing. You don't want those sudden change plays where all of a sudden you see the other team going all the way down the field just like Washington did to Utah on that Byron Murphy pick six. So the big sudden change plays all went Washington's way tonight. That's what you had to see. And then, you know, again, Jake Browning, you know, the, the stats are, are not going to be kind to him in terms of the, the, the low, pers- like the low uh, yards per completion, like you said, and then the pick that, that was never his pick. That was on Ty Jones all the way. Yeah. But again, he, he'll take that. He'll take that stat line every day of the week. If it means going to, if it means you're going to the Rose bowl. And I mean, the beginning of the year, would you take a Rose Bowl appearance? I think everyone, everyone expected Washington to be in this Pac-12 title game, and they expected them to, you know, they would have a phenomenal shot of getting to Pasadena. And um, I, I think the only thing that Washington fans now would be disappointed with is just how it ended up being the way that it did, because you know their three losses were by ten points. Um, you know, they were to teams that they, you know, in hindsight, probably shouldn't have lost to any of them. And so it's that that's where I think th- it's probably more frustrating to Washington fans than, than anything else. Yeah. Um, final thoughts, Chris? Yeah, just again, uh, um, I thought the way that the the game, um, you know, developed, we knew it was going to be a slugfest again with with the two top defenses in the Pac-12. Um, it just felt like it had it was going to have that feel to it. You know, the Washington kind of set themselves up on that first drive and then not being able to convert on fourth down. You were kind of going, OK, is it going to be one of those games again? But, man, when when Washington came out and did the three and out and, and um, just really shut Utah down from the beginning defensively, you just said, OK, well, Washington may only need to score 
you know, 10 or 14 points to win this game because it just doesn't feel like Utah's got the firepower. And then the second half, losing Covey was huge. So, you know, all credit to Washington, getting this job done. It's never easy. Utah made it super tough. Everyone should have known a Kyle Whittingham-based team was going to make it tough. And, um, you know, again, Byron Murphy, what, what can you say about that guy? Uh, absolutely lived up to his billing and his talent. Um, he's going to be a phenomenal pro. And now they've got a month to heal up, get ready for a Rose Bowl. And now now it's a matter of probably Michigan or Ohio State at this point, unless, uh, unless Northwestern really pulls a stunner. Yeah, great year, Rose Bowl, 10-3 ten, ten season. Yeah, you would have liked to have had a bigger score on this game, but I don't think anybody saw this coming. They beat Wazoo, you know, in a snowball over there. So uh, I think lots to be happy about, you know. And, uh, hey, we're going Fetters, We're going to the Rose Bowl, man. <laughs> Pasadena, baby. It's been a long time. And that's the thing. It was funny because uh, I was listening to a little bit of the honks on postgame, and Softy was asking the people in the crowd how many of them at, 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 were actually at the 2001 Rose Bowl. And uh, he, by the response, you could tell that hardly anybody had been there. We, we were there. You and I were there. You know, a bunch of other people were there, obviously. Um, got a chance to experience that with Marcus Tuyasasopo, um, you know, really putting things on his back. And then, you know, John Anderson, who was at the game tonight, kicking field goals. And, and um, you know, just but just the granddaddy of them all. What can you say? I mean, that just harkens back to some of the great Washington teams and, and um, just a, 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 just a wealth of tradition. And again, this will be the 15th time that Washington's played in the Rose Bowl. I think only Michigan and USC have played more. So um, you just know how important this is and how big a deal this is. And even Chris Peterson knows how big a deal this is. He hasn't been a part of the Washington thing for very long, but he understands it and he gets it. And um, it'll be really interesting to see what they come up with in a month. All right. Hey, uh, lots of work yet to do tonight. So we'll end this. Um, we'll be back on the air Wednesday night from seven to eight. Make sure to tune in if you're looking for those uh, daily updates in your inbox, as well as any breaking news alerts. Just shoot us a note, huskystadium at gmail.com, huskystadium at gmail.com. Subject line newsletter. We will get you hooked up for all of us at dogman.com. Hold on just one second. Yeah. Before, before you finish. Just want to make sure that people also remember that Scott and I will be on Sports Radio KJR Saturday morning yeah. from 11 to 12:30. So we want to make sure that people, if people haven't gotten enough, um, you know, Pac-12 championship talk and Rose Bowl talk and all that kind of stuff, we will be on the radio tomorrow from 11 to 12:30. Um, they should be fun. All right. Hey, thanks, Chris, and we'll catch up when we get back. Go dogs.